I and think the word is out backstage. This is the kind of stuff bands are talking about. Like, <laughs> right. Hey, where do you guys get your hats knit? <laughs> right. Well, Milwaukee, man. Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Well, today on Urban Spelunking, we're visiting two buildings, one on the east side, one on the south side, both really old, and they both have been a ton of different things. And in, in both cases, they were real anchors to the neighborhood. Yeah, it was the sort of pre-mall days when neighborhoods had their own sort of, you know, main street where people did all their shopping. These were the kinds of buildings people went to like every day for different stuff, you know. So to the east side, we'll be going to BBC, the former BBC, uh, which has been, the whole site is actually a four-building complex that yep. has plans for redevelopment. And then headed to 11th and Lincoln to Wisconsin Knitwear, another big three-story building with a great history. Both buildings coming up on Urban Spelunking. The former BBC building on Milwaukee's east side, this is a really prominent location, North Avenue and Farwell. It's been a lot of different things over the years. Most recently, uh, a really active bar, nightclub. Next door, there was Hotel Foster and two other buildings as well. This is a four-building complex. Now it's been closed for about a year. Yeah, uh, BBC closed about a year ago. Hotel Foster co- closed in 2016, I believe. But uh, we were saying earlier, it's almost uh, it's almost a crime to just call it the BBC building because it's been so many different things in its 100-year lifespan. And really, depending on your generation, it's got kind of a different sort of a name almost different sort of touchstone right it's you know now it's sort of we think of it as the bbc building but in the 90s you'd have thought of yeah. it or the 80s you'd have thought of it as like the globe building or even mm-hmm. still the kiko's building kiko's was there for a while 70s into the 80s not um, kinko's kiko's not kinko's no it, well it was el matador restaurant mexican restaurant which then expanded to take up more of the space and added kiko's which had this big bright sign on the corner that you couldn't miss mexican um, food dancing yep yeah, yep yeah. yeah. but then even before that for a long time it was uh, a shoe store so some pe- and the public library was in there so a lot of people refer to it as you know oh, that's where spangler's was or that's where the library was so it really depending on your generation it this building has meant something to you but what it's meant has been a little different. Yeah, you mentioned that there was uh, a couple businesses that were in there that you know were there for like forty years. Yeah, there was a dentist that was in there for at least twenty something years, and then there was a music uh, piano school and a music publishing company upstairs that was there from forty four until at least eighty eight. So that's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, and the BBC, if you if you've been there um, when it was open, it you know it's it's a really big bar, but it's one of four buildings that's there. It's a, yeah. it's a complex, and, and as you wrote in the article, Bobby, the building itself was subdivided into all these different storefronts. Yeah, even the even the BBC space proper on the corner was divided into separate retail spaces. So what we think of as one big open space was originally uh, like three or four separate businesses. So there was a time when you'd go there and there was a shoe store on the corner, there was a laundromat next door, there was a hardware store next door, there was a women's hat shop. I mean, there was just so much going on in this building at any given time. Yeah, so let's like back up to when this building was built about 100 years ago. Um, was North Avenue and Farwell always this this bustling center of the east side? Was yeah, it always I a think, pretty? I think it was part? at that point too. Yeah, because there were there were streetcars there. There was a streetcar shed nearby. Because it seems like such a prominent location and such a prominent building. Just the architecture speaks to it's just calling to be a hub. Yeah, and that's you know it was built. The first part of it was built in 1906, which is really when that neighborhood is starting to take off. Okay, you know a few years earlier, the north of North Avenue, which had been part of the first ward, which was the east side south of North Avenue was carved out into its own ward because it was growing so fast. And okay. so, so really that neighborhood was still pretty hot and growing and 
by leaps and bounds at that point. So you mentioned that the developer Josh Jeffers, he's he's this is not his first uh, building that he has he's worked on. In fact, that's kind of his bread and butter is yes. taking these older buildings and and repurposing and and um, just redoing them. Yeah, he's an he's an interesting developer in that he's not looking to buy these things. And not, this is not to say every developer buys things like this to tear them down, but he has no interest. In that he buys historic. He owns the Mackey Building and the Mitchell Building downtown, oh, okay. the, you yeah. know, where the grain exchange is. So he buys these buildings and he converts them, you know, so that they can be sort of have a new life and that that's what he likes he has he has a passion for history he likes historic buildings he likes beautiful buildings and he's not uh generally looking to buy these buildings to tear them down and build you know some new condos or something that's that's not him but you know what is the condition what is the condition of these buildings i mean uh the developer josh jeffers said that it's pretty much a a full gut and and rehab right yeah i think um the hotel foster building he says is in good shape he doesn't i mean that needs a little work but he doesn't foresee much work there and he thinks that's a fairly quick turnaround uh the rest of it we stood in the, i wish i had a better picture of but we stood in the basement and we looked up at the ceiling and there were literally like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different wires and pipes i mean you could tell i mean he says this i quote him in the story saying this that sometimes it's almost easier to have a building that's sat empty for a while to fix up because this thing has been in constant use for a hundred years, which means every time something needed to be fixed, they just sort of slapped a band-aid <laughs> a lot of solution on it. So yeah. it's, you know, you go down there and it's just incredible. I mean, just all that just has to be ripped out and redone. And he also wants to reopen, you know, now when you go past, um, all the way up Farwell Avenue, the Farwell Avenue side, there's almost no window openings, but originally those would have all been big open storefronts. So he's he wants to really? reopen. He wants to reopen all of that stuff, so it, it'll it'll feel less sort of fortress-like, you know. It does have that kind of imposing corner fortress. Yeah. Feel to so, it. so anywhere you see a build, uh, window that looks like it's been bricked up, that's all coming out. Yeah, and there's a lot of talk too about just kind of the future of North Avenue right now because there has been this big turnover. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of bi- businesses have come and gone uh, just recently. Some new construction, new condos, things like that. Uh, an opportunity now as the developer plans to bring in some diversity to to maybe anchor that neighborhood with uh, a bit more to offer. Yeah, and I think he thinks that, you know, having that diversity in there, he's looking to do some creative office space on the upper floors, uh, thinks that the Hotel Foster building, which is in pretty good shape, is pretty much a gimme for a bar or restaurant just because it's it's outfitted for that and it's in good shape. I had no idea they had Um, a kitchen. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize they did either. <laughs> did Hotel Foster serve food? I don't, I'm not sure I if they did, they did. but know. it might be from before yeah. know, too. But um, I mean, he says he's willing to do a bar or a restaurant, but that's not really high on his list. He says a number of uh, national retailers, in quote marks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing the finger um, quotes, yeah. Have expressed interest already, and some have come to look at it, so he did, would not say who those are yet, of course. But, Ikea um, East. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but he's thinking for that big BBC space, maybe one business in there but he is willing to divide that too if you know uh if some smaller businesses were looking to move in there and and were the best fit but he's also he knows there's work to do so his goal is to kind of try and get leases signed by the end of the year and then get the work done so that they could be open by the not this coming summer but the summer of 19 um and really the timeline is isn't He's not worrying too much about the timeline right now. At least it's that's no. Not he the right wants scene. To, he wants to do he wants it to right. Do it right. Yeah. yeah, he wants to do it right, and he he wants to put the right thing in there. Like he he used as an example a building on Brady Street uh, that we might talk about in the future uh, that houses the Diplomat Restaurant, a building from the twenties. Um, oh, yeah. That he said, you know, he had uh, when he announced that he'd bought it and was looking for a restaurant tenant. He had some you know local big name restaurant people interested in it who could have opened something right away. But he went with 
the people who are there now, even though he knew it would take them longer to get it together because they were individuals, not like a company, uh, because he felt like it was the right fit. And I think that's what he wants to do here. Well, it'll be really interesting to watch this process happen and talk and we're about... Gonna, and we're all going to watch it because it's right there. Yeah, talk about a prominent location. <laughs> a lot of eyeballs on this former BBC uh, Hotel Foster Complex. A complex of four buildings getting some major redevelopment right on North Avenue and Farwell Avenue. Well, that's BBC. And next up on 88.9, we are headed to 11th and Lincoln. 11th and Lincoln. This is the Wisconsin Knitwear Building. And uh, if you drive by, you might not know that there was this thriving knitwear company right. making hats right on 11th and Lincoln. Yeah, he's got a sign out front, but it's still you could miss it. So we're going to go there next. It's Urban Spelunking on 88.9. 11th and Lincoln, our destination on Urban Spelunking at Wisconsin Knitwear. This is a, a beautiful building that has been, it's been a ton of different things, mm-hmm. including furniture stores, music stores, and now uh, a knitwear factory that churns out all these custom hats. I had no idea. Did you have any idea? No, like I've probably driven by 11th and Lincoln tons of times in my life. I had no idea that there was like this this thriving <laughs> yeah, company he, right he there. he said there's maybe two or three left in the United States, companies that make these kind of, you know, like winter knit hats, sometimes with the frilly ball on the top. Um, and, that's, and, you know, and one of them is in the middle of Milwaukee, and I'm not sure how many people know that. And that's one of those businesses you just wouldn't expect to just drive past that, you know, you just figure this stuff is all outsourced and nobody's making hats in, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin anymore. But And, and what's funny, I got to tell you, is when I walked in there, uh, on the ground floor, there's a couple of uh, sewing machine stations where there's a couple of people just kind of finishing the hats, mm-hmm. like doing these finishing touches. And we were talking down there for a while. And I'm like, is this how they make the hats? Like, it seems, you know, crazy. Just by hand, right? Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> but, but then all of a sudden we went upstairs and there's these looms and they're all spinning. And I had to Im- embed a, a little video of it in the story because it, it's just great. You go up there and there's all these looms that are spinning and there's, there's people up there running them, but they're, but they're, fairly automated you know yeah. and they're just making this kind of racket as they're spinning around and they, they sort of spit out these knit tubes that then they finish downstairs by like sewing off the top and then they turn them inside out sure. and that's how they make the hats but if you just went in like on the ground floor and didn't go any further you'd think how many hats could this, <laughs> could this company be making but you don't realize there's all this activity going on upstairs when they've made some hats for some some clients you might know yeah. If you listen, eighty-eight nine. In fact, uh, two bands that we play have had their hats made. Yeah, right it was, there. It was funny. He was. We were looking, and he's got hats everywhere in the closet. There's hats like for hats days. coming out. Hats everywhere. <laughs> and he donates tons of, to his credit. He comes. He has, ends up with all these extra hats, and he donates them. Like he gives them to the police department, which helps distribute them to like schools and and, uh, and other people that oh, need them. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is cool. But he said, you know, yeah, I get a lot of tickets to concerts and stuff because uh, we do hats for bands for their merch tables. I'm like, that's interesting. Who'd have, who'd have known? I never really thought about that. He said, oh, yeah, I was at a Wilco show recently, and I think we saw a box of Dr. Dog hats. <laughs> nice. I was like, this is crazy. So they had their hats, like all of their hats made, or just like the merch for their Wisconsin leg, or how no, does that work? No, I think just all their, their all their hats. So Wilco or Dr. Dog, they both must have called up Wisconsin hat. Wisconsin knitwear. I think the word is out backstage. This is the kind of stuff bands are talking about. Like, <laughs> right. Hey, where do you guys get your hats knit? <laughs> right. Milwaukee, man. <laughs> so hats have been in the family business for a long time. At least three generations. That's yeah. so interesting. But before that, this building was a bunch of other family businesses. Uh, furniture furniture uh, stores, department stores, music stores that all had their own really interesting stories and, and long runs yeah, in the, the community. Yeah, it was built uh, as a new home for the Branter Recklitz Furniture Company, which had been further down Lincoln Avenue in a smaller building um, in the 20s. And they were there for a few years. 
um, before they their partnership was dissolved. And what's interesting is I found an ad for the dissolution of their partnership. There was an auction and uh, Wisconsin Knitwear, the guy that runs it, Steve, uh, had a picture of this auction taking place in the building, which was really cool. Um, wow. But, um, but yeah, so they had it. And what, then, what happened? Yeah, I don't know. Arguments, I guess, you know, feuding. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, furniture sure. feuds. Right. Um, but so then it was another furniture store for a while. And then in the 40s, it was briefly Garfield's department store. And then I think it was another furniture store for a while. And then in the 50s, a music store opened that became sort of a, a popular place in the neighborhood. And even now on uh, on Facebook, when we posted some pictures of of the building, we had peop- there were people who commented that said how oh, they remembered going and listening to records in the, in the, the booths where you could... Uh, listen to the records to see if you liked them. And, That's a proper um, music store where you can buy an instrument and you can buy vinyl. Yeah, they sold like TVs, you radios, can to it right there. amplifiers, guitars, pianos, records, like all, anything music related it seemed like they sold. In fact, you as you found out that uh, records were sold in this building even when it was a furniture store. Yeah, Branta Recklitz in the 20s was selling records wow. too. So yeah, the records was sort of a recurring theme, like furniture, a recurring theme there. So then after that... Um, the Serenity Club had it for a long time, and that was like an AA group that also used okay. it for uh, social events. And they occasionally had concerts and stuff there, too. I found some ads for, for some local bands playing there in the 80s. Um, this is a reminder just, you know, every single building has a story. You right? know, you drive past this unassuming building on 11th and Lincoln, and, you know, for so many people and so many people in the community and these business owners, this was their livelihood, you know, right out of this building. I, I've been doing this now for a number of years, and... I've probably done, I don't know, 200 of these stories. And I've yet to look at a building that I couldn't find something interesting to say about. You know what I mean? There's just, you're right, just every building in this town has some sort of interesting history to it. It's really amazing. Well, that is Wisconsin Knitwear on 11th and Lincoln. Earlier, we were at the former location of BBC and Hotel Foster. Or, uh, and Spangler Shoes, you forgot to And Spangler Shoes, yeah. <laughs> BBC and Hotel Foster, uh, a, a four-building complex. Uh, one getting redeveloped and one just kind of doing its thing on the south side. Uh, more about both those buildings right here on this page at RadioMilwaukee.org. Podcasts on 88.9 are produced by Tyrone Miller. Handcrafted Sonic Inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from On Milwaukee. And, of course, your membership. Subscribe to this podcast and all of our podcasts on iTunes at RadioMilwaukee.org slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo. Thank you so much. Thanks, Nate.